I fucking forgot something. Pick up your mic. I, 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 I done something like in the last ditch effort last night. Um, I thought, oh, can what, can what we need is like good cover art for our podcast. All right. So I took to Reddit. All right. I sent him a few pictures. Like, can right. what we need? I need cover art from a podcast. So go and do something. I was like midnight. Went to sleep. Got up about seven o'clock this morning. Two guys got back to me. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you about this one guy. This one guy done us this little bit of artwork. Look at this. <laughs> That's quality. Me and you. It's Cliff and Rick. That's going to be the artwork for the podcast. I'll get like the films and sweat. How good is that? I think that is the most amount of head of hair I've seen you having. Ah, that, that's like your wedding day when I was fucking... Dying. Yeah. That's fucking class, man. Aye. So that's going to be the, the podcast artwork. I'll slap the films and swearing on it. But it's like, aye, can what we need a fucking belter <laughs> of a podcast artwork. Go and somebody Photoshop our faces on top of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, please. <laughs> that's quality. And some cunt fucking did it for us. No, that's my son, so. double booth. I love that stuff, you know, with the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? Crown you Nazi bastards! Recording live from Fife, Scotland, and in the same fucking room, you're listening to Films and Swearing with Stuart Sullen and Magic Mike Christie. Yo. And we're in the same fucking room. I know. Welcome to episode 261 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast. It has been a while. I know. I've actually lost count of what number we're on, but it's been a while. Yes, definitely. Uh, so, aye, we're, we're back. I know. In the same room with, like, new equipment, uh, like, fucking holding microphones. I know. So, aye, we're back. Uh, and today we are going to, going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from director Quentin Tarantino. If anyone's wondering why he's talking about that one, mainly because we've done all the others. Yeah. We've worked our way from Reservoir Dogs all the way through to The Hateful Eight, picking up things like Death Proof, uh, Jackie Brown, and all the other films in between. Yeah. I mean, like, specifically films that he directed. No, like, can, like, he's written, like he's writing credits. Yes, I have not. That would probably require a few more episodes. Aye. Was it True Romance, True Natural Romance, Born Killers? Um. He presented Planet Terror, eh? Never... Yes, and I, and I think he had... Did he have a cameo where his uh, nuts he... fell off? Yeah, <laughs> where his nuts melted off, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, when no. he tried to, like, rape Rose McGowan, which is uh, a bit harsh. Aye, uh, and then it cuts to an angle where his fucking stones are falling off, and it looks like two chicken balls soaked in sweet and sour sauce. <laughs> I'm just putting that... I'm painting the mental picture for the audience at home. Mm. And hopefully they don't have a Chinese when they're listening to this. Yeah. So, and yeah, we're, we're not to the stage where it's like, ah, oh, man, we've done the writing, we've done the direct, and I guess we have to watch Little Nicky. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Little Nicky. <laughs> like, 
fucking I loved that film when I was younger. Granted, that's a bit terrible nowadays, but but him is some radical preacher, blind accident, preacher, accident prone blind preacher. Ah, yeah, because he falls in the fucking subway. Yeah, there. aye. So yes, once upon a time in Hollywood. But let's warm up, Mike. You were at the pictures last night. Yeah, you got to see the film that I cannot pronounce. To be honest, like how can you pronounce it? Because I got the piss written, like ripped out of me for pronouncing it as you would in America, which is Dune. Dune. Yeah. Aye. And well, that's it. It's like, do you want to say June? Because you're trying yeah. trying to do it with like a hard D, but you're making it sound like a G, as in the month of June. Yeah. But no. And then when that photo I sent you last night, you were like, Aye, so Shrek, yeah. what are you doing here? So, yeah. yes. Giant sci-fi fucking epic from another name I can't pronounce, <laughs> Diddy Villeneuve. Yeah. And the film that's fucking stars Obdi and their dog. Aye, yeah. Like, everybody was in it. I actually forgot that Harvey Bardem was in it. Oh, yeah. And Dave Dismalchin and... Ah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. Polka Dot Man. Dave Batista and fucking wee Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, give us your kind of spoiler-free reaction to it. I've um, yet to see it. Me and you both struggled with the original. Yes. Uh, and this one was a lot more easier to watch, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, okay. Kind of, it's, kind of, it's the same, same sort of as it's about, like, it's kind of like almost like fucking Game of Thrones kind of thing. Cause, like, right. You've got, like... Like the Timothy Shamley family, it's like House of Trades and that, and you've got like mm-hmm. other parts, and you've got like, like the like Arrakis and stuff aye. like that, and it's it's almost kind of like Game of Thrones-ish. Yeah, aye, all that's it, with all yeah. the different houses and families. And, aye, it was good, it was, well, like, I didn't think it was amazing to the point where folk working on going mad about it, depends if, can, I had a lot of folks saying that it stays true to the book. Right. I've not read the book. No. Nah. So... I can't say, um, like they announced, like when the film went up, I said, I said June part one, and they just announced the last hour and a half that twenty twenty three is for a uh, part two. Oh right. So I need to wait fucking two years because it kind of they didn't know if they a, were going to get a sequel. Uh, it's a bigger scope. So it's almost like like they're filming this one to set up the like the, the final part. Yeah. So like, whereas if you watch the nineteen eighty four film, you get the story. And one mess of a film. Aye. Whereas this one expands it a wee bit. Right. Hmm. And I mean, like, fucking, if you watch, like, Villanue's film, the like, visuals are fucking incredible. Aye, I can imagine, I would imagine it's know, visually like, stunning. Some of the stuff, like, I'd be keen to watch some of the behind the scenes stuff to see how it kind of goes about doing something, because some of the stuff looks fucking incredible. Ah. But hmm. I mean, it was a Monday night, it was me and one other couple at it. Yeah, it's one of these ones where it probably will capture the cinematic going audience by storm, but when you're local cinema, it's probably not, like, I bet it was very different maybe two, three Mondays ago, and it'd be James Bond. Yeah. Like, I mean... F, that would fucking... Asses would be on seats. I always keep thinking if... If your cinema never done kids' films, I didn't think they would survive. Yes, it is. Because when it's... I went and seen Venom last Monday, I went and seen 12 o'clock showing, I was the only person there. But there was like 
three or four families in to go and see uh, the Adams family too. Aye, that's so it. was upstairs and that, so that kind of kept them going for the afternoon. Aye, and well, that's uh, definitely with those small independent cinemas, they need to kind of rely on yeah. families and the fact that they'll buy a lot of shit for the, the concessions. Yeah. And then when like me and you show up to fucking see, God, what was it, like, Tenet? And there was like six of us, and then uh, two of them left yeah. half an hour in. So it's like, like man, they they they'll be paying daft money to have hired the film, be given a big chunk of the the box office takings. Usually, when it's a brand new film, it's more than fifty percent. We've seen it on thirty five. Yeah, downstairs. Aye, digital downstairs. Aye, so they'll be fucking putting away a lot of money back to the studio. So, like, when one person shows up. You gotta think, man. That's it yeah. sucks for them, but because I, I said that to myself, I was like, see if because like there was a, a like, like I was saying, like when I, I could hear Venom playing downstairs Aye. last night, and the film was like halfway through. It's like seven o'clock showing, and I think there was I think there must be a nine o'clock showing because it was playing again Aye. like towards the end of June, and it's like obviously we were in the film, we were in cinema watching June, so if there's nobody. Into that, I'm assuming that there was somebody in that screen for them to play it. Yeah, aye, I think because if there's nobody, then there's no point. Yeah, no, that's who be wasting sort of like electricity, just like yeah. using the bulb on the projector and uh. the sounds. Um, I think when I when I was part of like the the cinema that was in there before, that was it. If you were half an hour into your movie and no one had shown up, everything got turned off and then uh, people just went yeah. home. But I think big cinema chains do kind of have to show it um but big cinema chains probably never have empty screens aye aye there'll always be some i seen like people like fucking putting photos like i wait to see june and like the local like Odeon at like half nine on like saturday morning yeah and it's like that's like focusing that's the perfect time to go and see it because nobody's going to go and see it at that time aye aye and that's it if you're going to see a kid's film different question but if you're going to see your serious adult movie yeah. Then you're you're probably well, I was like, fine. I was like, was saying when we went and seen Halloween Kills in Glasgow like, last weekend, we were at the half nine screening, and it was it was full. I was going to say there like was nice, prime there time. Was one, there was one seat beside me that was empty, but I don't think I could see any. Yeah. Looking around, and then when we were coming out the film at like back at eleven, it was getting another showing, and it was queued. Yeah, well, that's it. It's, it's the hot new fucking horror film to go see on at yeah. the weekend, so I definitely would be getting some big audience. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm definitely going to check June out. I just need to kind of find the ideal time. Margaret wants to see it too, so yeah. it's not like I could watch it without her. And I mean, it's no, it's on for like two, two and a half. Two and a half, and it's, it doesn't kind of necessarily drag. No, yeah. I, I find it more. It's more coherent watching it rather like also like, like fucking I struggled watching the original one. I reckon what it was. I, just, I think it's called it's David Lynch. It's uh, it's a got a, a a different taste to it than anything yeah. else. And I mean like I spoke to like my boss and that like he fucking loved the book. Yeah. Said he hated the fucking film for the eighties. Aye. And, uh, it, it's definitely quite divided. I think it is more maybe David Lynch fans. Yeah. Appreciate it more, if, but if the eighties like went on streaming again, I'd probably watch it just to see 
see if I can get through it. Yeah, or pick up more on it. see if I can understand it. a bit more. Eh? Aye, for watching the new one. I mean, I'm, I might I might read the books and I've got two years to wait because <laughs> the way it ended and all that, it's like, I might, I might watch it. Oh, I might get an audio book, let somebody tell it to me. Oh, I never fucking think about that, eh? Cause... Oh, Timothy Shamley, read me a story. <laughs> no, just, just give me fucking... Give me Josh Brolin. <laughs> like, 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 getting nursed to sleep by Thanos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be slightly unnerving. Okay. As I mentioned, we've done every other Tarantino-directed movie before. If you have not listened to any of our previous episodes on Tarantino, this is the filmography and this is the episode numbers. Reservoir Dogs was episode 150. Pulp Fiction, 153. Jackie Brown, 193. Kill Bill, 104. That was two and one, well, one and two recorded together. Um, Death Proof, 207. Inglorious Bastards, episode 151. Django Unchained, episode 152. And Hateful Eight was 162. And Bonus Ball is 12. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that's it if you want to kind of binge on a back catalogue of Tarantino films because we did uh Tarantino season that's why yeah majority of those episodes are in the 50s the 150s and then all the other ones was like Jackie Brown was like part of a 90s season yeah Hateful Eight was like kind of was it not like our alternative Christmas movies or uh, something uh, no i think it was i think it was like just whatever the hell we wanted uh, was what was um death proof i uh, what was death proof that was 207 so that was like the last one that we recorded on his so i'm not sure if it was that just oh was that no was that no do cut russell season no no it was an episode to itself but i think it might have been like did we not do a season on the knots Nah, season series. Nah, we never, we never touched the. We've, we've, never made we've, it to we've, the we've, we've done two summer 80s and two M1 summer 90s. Ah, okay. Well, we found some reason to do it anyway. Aye. I think it was because. We wanted to be up to once upon a time in Hollywood, is Rick Dolan and his whiskey sours. Now, in preparation for this episode, I found that Desperados, a uh, whiskey sour, uh, which is like a variation of their normal, like sort of tequila beer. So this is now tequila, whiskey, and wild lemon flavor beer. What more could you want? Yes, I'm glad it's not got like egg and like some egg white in there. Because I, I, how do we Google at what the, the recipe was for a whiskey sour? Yeah. Whiskey, sugar, lime juice, and egg whites. A lot of cocktails have egg white in it, though. Ah. Did yeah. It kind of go for the, like, the foamy froth because it was Aye, yeah, shaking over yeah, ice and strained. You didn't really take, like, there's, there's no flavour to, like, an egg white. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a yolk you taste more than anything. So an egg white, it's just... It's like when you have meringues. Meringues taste nothing really unless you put stuff in it. Exactly. Yeah, so if you whisk up an egg white, you're going to taste nothing. Yeah. So I think it's just more to give it the the foam at the top sort of thing. Eh? Aye. So yes. Um, 
Let's... Yeah, I think we opted on this rather than a Bloody Mary because <laughs> just a thought of tomato juice and fucking, what is it, tomato juice, vodka, um, Tabasco. Fucking stick of celery. Yeah, Worcester sauce. Aye. Yeah. Just nah. a bottle of beer will do. Aye. So, uh, let's crack this open. <laughs> smells like something. <laughs> <laughs> smells like something. What's with the old lady with the big tits fucking bottle over there? Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, I've never seen this. Nah. Never seen this. Cracking arse is the joke I always say. But... <laughs> yes, I, I got given this as like a random Christmas present from my parents. Like a bottle opener. And it was at for a stage where it's like, I only drink Jack Daniels. I didn't really need a bottle opener. Uh, but now, since doing like the Lager Logs, and when we moved here, I unpacked Box and Funda, it's like, oh, I've not got like a like a nymph for her yet. Whereas like, uh, I need to compare it to someone that's fully made of plastic and has big do's. Yeah. I feel like Jordan's quite a dated reference. What, she's missing an arm. She is missing an arm. I thought that. Uh, yes, she's been well used. Which is uh, concerning for a lot of people. <laughs> uh, there's a video on the Lagerlogs Instagram of me introducing this on the podcast. So, let's uh, cheers. Right. It's uh, sweeter than I imagined. Well, I think it's maybe the lemon. Yeah. Uh, um, that's. It's all right. Yeah. It's, like I'm. I'm not a tequila fan. Like no. I'm trying to avoid. Tequila. Yeah. But I this is like what is it? Seven seven percent alcohol by volume, so oh, that's what I mean. You can check off your list. Yeah, exactly. So this is kinda I reckon we could be talking pish very soon. <laughs> or I'm fucking laughing at like Cliff Booth at the end. So as I said, the film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. The film stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie, uh, with, with appearances from Al Pacino, Kurt Russell, Zoe Bell, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, Timothy Oliphant, um, Emile Hirsch, and uh, many more people. Mike, what is the plot to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh, so, Hollywood tells the story of TV actor Rick Dalton and his stunt double Cliff Booth coming to terms with becoming a has-been during the golden age of cinema. Mm-hmm. That's... So, and that story is then pulled across near nearly three hours. Yeah, why doesn't it track? No, no, nah, I shouldn't have said that. But when you look... I, I, I watched it on Netflix. And as I looked and I was like, Christ, what was it, like two hours, 47 minutes or something? Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, fucking forgot this film was was girthy. This has got length to it. <laughs> and it, it took me actually like three days to watch it. But it's one of these ones where I don't feel bad about stopping no. and starting because this is maybe like the, the sixth time I've watched it now. Um, Probably about the same, I think. Yeah. Now you got the, the ultra swanky box set. Ah, yeah, I got it for my birthday a few years ago. It was like they come in like a like a mini record sort of thing with the total like mm-hmm. nice looking artwork and that and it had yeah. like a record of a couple of the tracks. It had like the wee bad magazine thing that like they were reading, um mm-hmm. and just like the film and stuff. And it sits proudly on top of like one of my many film like shelves. Yeah, yeah. I I was I I I think I just grabbed it off of 
as an old steelbook you got. It wasn't. I wasn't too pleased with the the artwork on steelbook. Where the... it was like three postcards, kind of like Rick, Cliff, uh, Sharon, and then on the back it's... got Brandy. Yeah, and I didn't mind that. that it was all right, but I thought maybe I thought the actual like, the artwork they had for it. Was yeah, better. like the the slip card where Aye. it's got like uh, it almost looks like it's hand drawn or hand painted Aye. artwork of the characters. I really like that one. If they had that on the tin, maybe, but... I could I think the, the, the artwork for the DVD was like just plain. It was just Tarantino. It was just the uh, Leo DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt. Standing with yeah. like, the Hollywood uh, above them. Yeah. Um, obviously, we saw this film... What was it? Day one? Aye, day one, aye. Yeah, and that's it. it it's it's, always, like, it's always like a summer tradition sort of thing. There's always a film... That comes out in a rough around the time of your birthday. Yeah. Well, like, we'll grab something to eat and then we'll go and see it because we went and seen Suicide Squad this, this year. year. Aye, aye. Last year was like the return to cinema for Tenet. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. So. Aye, no, that makes sense. And this was a rare release for Tarantino because I feel like his last couple films were like Christmas. Hateful Eight and Django felt like they were released on Christmas Day in the States yeah. and we had to wait January, February. Before we got here, but by that time... Was... God, for screeners at that time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was everywhere at that point. But no, getting to go see one in the middle of summer and... Oh, just this film. I mean, in short, what's your thoughts? Uh... I mean, it, it's definitely in my top five. I was watching a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on YouTube today. Just because I couldn't be bothered going to get the fucking... DVD or whatever, and I was just I was, it was like a thirty minute documentary of how they made the film and stuff like that. And it was really yeah. good, and obviously you've got folk that like can work for Tarantino, mm-hmm. and they will say can say stuff like oh like, like they feel like that this is his magnum opus and stuff like that. Aye, and there's times when I'm like debating like, is it? Yeah, and it's because like there's parts that are really good, and it's definitely his most like character driven film. Yeah, I know that's a good point. I I think this is a fucking brilliant film. It's it's one of those ones where it almost like gets stronger each time you watch it, yeah. or you're just becoming more familiar with those characters. Like the yeah. characters in this film are fucking outstanding. Like the the fucking the the buddy relationship between Cliff and Rick is just yeah. Like I I could watch more. Like what do you mean? It's it's finished. It's nearly three hours long. It's like where's the? I want three more hours of these two guys just palling about going to fucking film sets only to have Cliff rejected because mm. of his shady past and, and so I think maybe that's why I found such a joy when the book kind of got announced I've still not read the book yet oh, to, obviously I'm I find myself to be a bit of a shit reader nowadays whereas I will just cop out and get everything on audible uh, and listen to it when I'm driving at work Yeah, and the the bonus for this one it was uh, narrated by Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, Daisy Tomago. Exactly. So it was like added bonus, and she's got this fucking great voice, and she plays it well. She's got all the characters down to like a fine art, and they just explored all these other areas of the story that this this movie didn't touch. And it's yeah. like oh, just filling in these blanks was amazing, but. I'll go into more details about that towards the end of the episode. For people listening, spoiler warning, obviously, 
Yeah, so, I mean, the film's been out for two years, so I yeah. think. So if you haven't seen it and you do want to see it, and we happen to be talking about it before you've seen it, go to Netflix. Like, just do your best uh, to go watch it first because we will spoil. We're going to talk about probably every minute of this movie. So if you do not want it spoiled, just stop here. Thank you for downloading, but please stop listening. Go watch it first. Come back. Then you can be part of the the discussion with us. Yeah. You'll know what we're going on about. Like, oh my God, did, did he kill her? Did he not? And mm. um, like other examples I can't quite bring to my mind just now. Yeah. So uh, where do we go? I've I've kind of broken down into like characters, what I like, and then notable scenes after it. Yeah. How are your notes? I've got like characters as well, but the first kind of thing I've got is like, like this is obviously like Tarantino's love letter to like then like the film industry, and I like everything about the film. It's just about film, you know. Yeah, aye, it's it's like old Hollywood. So, and because you get like all the different like aspect ratios in the film, you get like sixteen point nine, four point three, black and white. Yeah, that's like like the episode. Uh, FBI, they're watching like fucking somehow on a old like TV set and all. Ah, that that scene itself is almost like kind of one of those mystery science theater three thousand. Yeah, where, and it's just Rick and Cliff going, "That guy was an asshole." Yeah, and they're just sitting talking over this episode of TV that's playing. But as you're right by saying it's Tarantino's love letter to to kind of old Hollywood because is it that would have been the period that he was like a child being yeah. brought up. And being taken to the cinemas, I think he's he said quite a lot that his stepfather took him to the pictures quite a lot when he was a kid. Yeah, and it just that was what captured his imagination, and he wanted to bring that back. And I think he also had memories of being driven around, um, maybe old Hollywood, mm. and that might explain why maybe ten percent of this film is just people driving in cars. I mean, you've got. Yeah. Your opening credits, and it's just shot from the back seat. You've got like Rick and Cliff getting in the car, then that song plays, and it's so fucking clever that choice of song where the chorus goes, Let me tell you a story. Mm-hmm. And it's just driving about, and it's like, Oh, this you, the, the, the detail that's put into everything, uh, like the choice of song, and like the director's job to kind of sew all this together. And it's, it's I could imagine there's like a YouTube. Uh, like an eight hour loop and it's just Cliff Booth drive the car through Hollywood and it's just got the soundtrack to this film on loop. Yeah. I would not be surprised to find it and I would probably watch it for about half an hour <laughs> before thinking, Stuart, do something else. Uh, I mean, like the soundtrack, like some of the tracks are quite catchy, especially like when, like, also when the first trailer like dropped mm. and I think that's where I've somehow managed to like kind of get the love for something so on because like the trailers kind of like fitted into the anticipation of the film. Yeah, aye, and that's it. There's three or four songs on that fucking soundtrack that I love, and then when I think there's like a Deep Purple. Ah, uh, yeah, Hush. Yeah, and when you see it in the film, it's like two seconds long. And yeah. It's just after an advert starts playing, then Cliff turns off the radio. They're like, really? That that was how much I actually used of that. Yeah. Um. And then there's other ones. Yeah, like the one he uses with Neil Diamond and that's fucking brilliant. Cause mm. like, he, I mean, he used like Neil Diamond and Pulp Fiction and that. Aye. So like, can I mean that's the sort of music that he kind of grew up listening to as Aye. well, and that's sort of 
stuff that you wanted to fit into. Because mm-hmm. you've got, like, she's got, like, like the mamas and papas, and like, my dad yeah. used to fucking listen to them. And then he's got, like, all the posh Neil Diamond, he's got fucking... Simon um, and Garfunkel. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, if he, he, he matches it so well with scenes, where it's like, man, this song is actually pretty fucking good when you've paired it with, like, this... Yeah. Here, like, the... That vanilla fudge... Uh, song from the end uh, keeps me hanging on. Oh, where yeah. uh, like the confrontation oh, at the yeah. end, Aye. like that fucking song's amazing. But if I was like scrolling through Spotify and I see a song with a band cry Vanilla Fudge, I wouldn't fucking listen to it. <laughs> but it's uh, just through pure ignorance. But then when it's paired together with a scene and the fucking tension it creates, ah yeah, because like, 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 like the beat of the film goes. Yeah, with the ending in the film, it's like I love it when film directors do that when they put so much interest into the music, pairing it with the film, and the beats line up. I mean, the best example of that would be like Baby Driver. Yeah, and it's just fucking amazing. Like you've got the like Baby running away for the cops, and every fucking footsteps in tune with like the drum beat to a fucking Queen song. It's like yeah, it's fucking witchcraft. How the fuck does this work? It's amazing. I love the your introduction to uh, Rick. Yeah. It is like 15 minutes of him sitting having like a little dinner date with Mr. Schwartz. Yeah. Schwartz? Schwartz. Uh, Schwartz. And fucking Al Pacino. I know. Like, it was great to see him in there. And, God, I'm being ignorant here. It's his first time popping up in a Tarantino? Yeah, it will be, aye. Aye. Because you've had Bob De Niro. Yeah. Uh, Aye. So it was just a thought. Well, I looked at it when I was watching it, just like, man, Pacino's character is great because it's given you, right, here's your history on Rick Dalton. Here's who he was, and here's where he is now. Yeah. And it's like he's actually bringing it to Rick's attention. Like he mm. didn't realize he's turned into a has been since he's the punching bag heavy on the hot show of the week and he just shows up gets barred is oh what's gonna be next week bad man and robin man from uncle woman from uncle yeah and he's just really kind of saying in hollywood your career's kind of in the pan uh why don't you come to to italy and make some italian westerns and it's great to see leonardo dicaprio playing a character that's Really, like, looks like a million dollars. Looks that first yeah. shot of Cliff and Rick walking into the bar, the fucking oozing confidence and swagger. Yeah. And as soon as he opens his mouth, he stammers. He, he's quite a vulnerable, sensitive, yeah. insecure. It's like, uh, exactly. It's, it's like he's kind of lost, or sorry, he doesn't have like any like faith in his ability, sort of thing. Like, Aye. as the years have went on, and yeah. like, it's kind of slowly coming to terms with the fact that he's no longer kind of the fucking the, the big man in Bounty Law for 10 years ago and stuff like that. Exactly. He, he's he's in his heydays. Well, he's beyond his heydays. And just to go see this this like movie agent thinking, right, what could we get here? And then he's like, well, you're kind of washed up here. Why don't we take you to Italy? And then and work there and it's just that realisation. You see it in his face. He, fucking DiCaprio nails the scene yeah. where he just you could just see him kind of going, ah, oh, fuck, you're right, I am. I am just a kind of heavy of the week and all this is 
coming to the terms and it's when he goes outside and <laughs> he just starts he's like it. I think that's it buddy yeah he's like I'm a husband and he starts to cry <laughs> and fucking Cliff's like don't cry in front of the Mexicans wear my glasses <laughs> <laughs> and oh it's just the characters are so fucking good and it's yeah. just the way they, they portray the characters is so fucking good and it oh I reckon it's just like I, I could just watch this again yeah. and again. It just they're so good and there's just the the breakdown where it's like fuck uh, uh, my husband he wants me to do Italian films. And it's like <laughs> it's like have you watched any? And it's like no. He's like, Well maybe not so but you have to go to Ital- Italy and like, to go be in them and he's just losing it and it's like uh, oh. he's quite naive as well. Mm. I think he's only been used to kind of being like the, getting the Hollywood treatment, living uh, in the Hollywood hills, being like this big shot actor, yeah, and not realizing his stars faded, yeah. And uh, like we're saying, like when you see him in wardrobe or when he's out in public, like you're saying, he looks fucking looks apart, yeah. But when he's in the house, he's like wearing like a fucking a silk robe and like slippers Aye. and sits in his pool reciting his lines with like fucking so much booze, ah, like a big beer stein full of whiskey sours mm. and yeah, they just kind of show you and it's, it's cool how you have that parallel because it's Cliff and Rick joining the hip gets them back home Cliff's cheered them up and then it's mirror image Cliff's going back to his trailer yeah. behind a drive-in where it's him and his dog he's eating like mac and cheese ah it's like craft mac and cheese exactly he's not even putting milk and butter in he's just pouring the powder in Mixing it up, saying eating it out of the pot. The dog's getting what's it, uh, like wolf tooth dog food, <laughs> and it's like raccoon and rat flavors. Like you just and it's like, like you forget like how also obviously they discuss it, you forget about. But if you watch it for the first time, you didn't notice how vital Brandy's like obedience is yes. until the end of the film. Aye, and that's it, and. It's just this brilliant relationship that he has with his dog where he's putting all the food out, he's dropping it, and the dog's sitting there. And it's just like premium dog and movie where it's sitting, it's catching everything. And his fucking tail's wagging, it's all excited. And it's, it's growling, and he looks at it, and it stops. And then like it whimpers. It's like, I'll, I won't fucking feed you if you whimper. And the dog's like on its best behaviour. And then just lets it go, <laughs> yeah. And like that is a well-trained dog, mm. which becomes vital oh, yeah. at the end. Yeah. But there you've got like Rick sitting preparing drinks. He's got all his fancy cups. He's got like his big beer sign, his little tape recorder, and he's sitting on his wee lounge, floating lounger ah, yeah. in the pool with his fucking beer, listening to his lines. Like a rooftop pool as well. Aye. And it's just him listening to himself running lines doing little mexican accents <laughs> like it's funny when you watch like when you watch on netflix and, that, and you realize that it's him doing the accents yeah. for the other part aye at first uh, i thought it was it was cliff but you, uh, you could tell it's uh, it's rick what about sharon tate she does show up kind of at the start yeah as well and don't credit for like they're arriving at the airport yeah with polanski yes and because kind of they've, like they've the, moved in next door. Yes, to Jay Sebring? No, so they, no, they've moved in with... So, when 
Sharon goes to the party where like you see like Steve McQueen who's like Damien Lewis and I. Oh like, yeah, he's given the that history he, lesson I, on their relationship. Jay was going out with Sharon. Yep. Sharon left Jay to go with Roman. Yep. And then they get married. And now the three of them are like joined at the hip. And Aye. like it's like almost like Jay's like the third wheel. Yeah. And that's they say that like the way after for... her sort of you know, when he's like when Roman's away doing the resign stuff. Aye, he's there. And it's like the thing is like obviously like before the film came out, a lot of folk thought this was kinda gonna kind of slightly tell the story of the the Sharon Tate murder yeah yeah and that's that's what confused me the first time because I, I went into film as blind as I could and I never read into the history of Sharon Sharon Tate and the murders or Charles Manson I always yeah. knew he was a crazy fucker and he kind of had a cult yeah. following to him but I never knew about the murder in the Hollywood Hills yeah. on that night and obviously this film makes a point of telling you what day it is yeah, and especially in like the last forty-five minutes, it tells you pretty much yeah, what hour it is, and, all that, aye. and you get that that brief um, narration from Kurt Russell as well, which mm. is very sporadic because you get it at the very start of the film where they they explain why Cliff Booth drives wreck about, and because yeah. it literally comes out with like the film pause and all you hear is like uh, Kurt bullshit. Russell. It's like that's a fucking lie. Aye. Like, like, then you see that obviously like fucking in the back, in the back of a police car because <laughs> yeah. all of these fucking drink driving and now Cliff's his fucking chauffeur more yeah. or less and to me I thought it was Tarantino the first time I saw it I thought it was like yeah. the director fucking paused the film to tell you I said no no he's talking shit but see normally like you get fucking like Sam Jackson doing the, the yeah. narration because he done the narration to Kill Bill no, it was because he didn't do it on Hateful Wait. Tarantino he done the narration, did he ever do the narration on Inglorious? Yes, because he didn't show up in the film. But and he... Tarantino done the done the narration in Kill Bill, oh, as well as that. as well as Hateful Wait. Right, nah, because I just remember where obviously it's because it would be it would be pointless having. Sam Jackson doing the narration in Hateful Eight when he's in it. in it. Aye, exactly. And it, it's just brilliant because... Then again, it's like, would you go to Russell Dent? Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but it's a, I always love Tarantino's uh, narration in Hateful Eight where it just, the way he delivers the line is like, we'll put the poison in the coffee pots. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was great having Kurt Russell in this film because obviously it's, it's kind of like a, a snippet. It's a flashback. He shows up. Like uh, when Cliff drops Rick off on the set of Lancer and Cliff returns home to fix the TV aerial for Rick. Yeah. And he has a flashback to, why was I not allowed to be a stuntman on set on Lancer? And he's like, oh, it's because of the guy who works with Randy, so he knows about your past. What past? Oh, you mean that time I threw Bruce Lee into the side of a fucking car uh, and pissed off Zoe Bell? Yeah. It's the flashbacks in this film, like for a film that's nearly three hours long, like we could afford to have like a twenty-minute flashback, yeah, or a thirty-minute flashback. And thing I really enjoy about like that flashback with the scene with Cliff and Bruce Lee, the fact that it's like a six-minute scene mm-hmm. from beginning to end, and it's all done in one take. Never noticed that. It's all done in one take. One thing I always wondered about that film was there. 
there's a part where someone talks to Bruce and that someone shouts off camera like we win a fight or there and it's like a uh, disembodied voice and I'm like that voice has to be whose voice is that is that it sounds like Brad Pitt do you think now I've never looked into it but I think I've scrolled past comments where people was like that's your Sam Jackson cameo and it's like watching it last night I was like it wasn't Sam Jackson nah, it isn't Sam I was like Jackson. was it Tarantino it's like to have someone shout off camera you'd think it'd be someone of significance and one of the biggest robberies of this film is the fact that Tim Roth was cut out cut of the film out, I was cut yeah and I've never actually went out my way to find if he was in well if the deleted scenes were available yeah I don't think they were known the fact that it's clear it states in the credits where he's like the guy and it's Kurt Russell Michael Madsen uh, Tim Roth Zoe Bell but when it's got Tim Roth, it's got brackets deleted or ah cut. yeah, and it's like where is it? I can't remember which character. But Supposedly, it was... he, I think he was a butler to someone. Uh, like he, and to, I was like, I feel robbed. I want to see Tim Roth in this movie. <laughs> yeah, because he, he is. He's one of the guys. Like Reservoir Dogs, The Hateful Eight. Like he was. Yeah. Fucking Oswaldo Mowbray. Like, just <laughs> this guy's fucking brilliant in Tarantino yeah. films. It's, I felt like there's such a disservice by not having him in it. Like, Michael Madsen was great in The Bounty Law. Aye. And it just, that was enough. Just a wee snippet of him. But yeah. Kurt Russell was like, like the stunt guy. And your part, what's that wee part of me was thinking? Stunt man, Mike. Yeah. There was always a lot of talk that in the. Tarantino verse, yeah, that like Randy is like a somehow like a relation to stuntman Mike. Because mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Was he was Randy? Zoe Bell was um, Janet. Yes, I Randy and Janet Lloyd. Yeah, it was just great. Where obviously had a flashback within a flashback because they had that conversation in the trailer between Rick. And Randy saying, man, you know what? He gives off a bad vibe. We don't like him. There's a thing about him. He killed his fucking wife, man. And it's like, Rick is in blind denial. Aye, he's like, like, no. like, def- like defending him. You eh? believe that bullshit? He's a war hero. And that kind of, that's the one that cancels it all arguments. The guy's a war hero. And he's like, fuck. Okay, fine. And he's like, he goes out and says, right, your horse's ass, come on. Let's get you fucking fitted. Well, the whole dead cliff kill his wife thing. Yeah. There was a video on YouTube that I watched today and it was like an eight minute video and it was a guy talking about, the video was titled like, Dead Cliff Kill His Wife. Yeah. And to bring up the similarities in... Did they mention the, the novel? Nah. Nah, I wonder if it, it might have been recorded before the book come out because uh, the book tells you what happens. Oh, does it? All right. Yeah. Uh, and so like, the the play off the whole similarity in Pulp Fiction, right? Where uh, Vince is like sitting in the car and he's turning his talk to Marvin, mm-hmm. and he's got his hands just placed on the gun, and that's Nikini's fucking. He shoots Marvin in the face. Oh, of course. And he claims he went at a speed bump. Yeah. They were had it was a, they had like a video. It was a split side by side comparison thing, and it was the same way that Cliff was holding the harpoon gun. And it's ah, like the sound, the sound of when 
his wife's fucking shouting at him and I'm berating him. Mm. And then you get the sound of like, like the waves crashing. Aye. And it's kind of the, him coming back. Aye. The guy thinks that he accidentally killed his wife, which right. is why he brings up the brings up the whole manslaughter thing with Bruce Lee, because obviously manslaughter is no murder, but anyway. Mm-hmm. And he says that he reckons the boat went at a bumpy wave and his finger was on the trigger. Aye. And, and that was why. It's the same when he denies the fucking blowjob from the hippie girl, where it's like, the jail's been trying uh, to get yeah, me yeah, all... Yeah, yeah. They've been yeah. trying to get me for years, and I ain't getting it for like an underage blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to destroy this film with paraphrasing notable quotes, but yeah. the film's got such fucking amazing dialogue. Like, yeah. just the lines that come out of these characters. It's, it's so well written. And yeah. I reckon whether... Because I imagine there's probably room for like ad lib in these movies. I think like I, th- I actually think like also like also part of my that's no, but I think my favourite scene is the fact that like you forget that it's a it's a film about an, an actor, mm-hmm. and you get like a twenty minute fucking scene there. I'm recording this episode of Lancer. Aye, it, it feels like we're actually watching an episode of Lancer, and it, it's it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. You get invested in the Lancer story. Because you get, you get everything to do with Rick about his like, crisis of conscience and mm. the fact that he, he realises that he's like, fucking falling apart, especially when he's like sitting next to that wee Marabella and he's reading yeah. that easy breezy story. And he's like, green because it's almost like, like it was this like... This is me. <laughs> it's literally like a fucking story he's reading on himself. Yeah, aye. And that's it. She's like the picture of professionalism. Sitting there reading a book, she's well, like, doesn't he? She's like a fucking eight-year-old. He's there, like hawking and spitting, coughing up a fucking lung because he's hungover. The amount of coughing he does in this film, yeah, I was I waiting for like, like that cancer reveal where he, he coughs and looks at a tissue and it's soaked with blood. <laughs> like every time you see him hawking uh, up and coughing, like, because like, man, this boy's ill, but he's fucking smoking like a chimney as well. Yeah. Like, which is obviously, it's a thing, I guess, of the 60s mm. and 70s. I was it. All they fucking smoked. But, like, the smoking and the drinking. <laughs> he's doing the wee fucking ice bath, trying to kind of wake himself yeah. up, get fresh, and then to kind of be sat beside this little girl. He Aye. needs to match. He needs yeah. to fucking surpass still, his yeah, kids. Pre- impress a kid, basically. Yeah, because she's so fucking talented. And it's, it's when he gets into, like, Lancer, and it is almost we're now watching a western. Yeah, now. you've got Luke Perry showing up. What's it? Scoot McNerney was. Ah, uh, yeah, he's a um, businessman. Bob. Bob. Yeah. Um. What's his name? Uh, Timothy Oliphant as a other Johnny Madrid. Yeah, and it was just all these guys, and you're just sitting watching this story, and like, oh, and he's now doing the dialogue that I was repeating the night before. And then he's like, because it's like their scores going, the dialogue back and forth, sitting at the table, they're sitting, sipping like tequila and then yeah. salt. And then just fucking Rick goes, line, line. <laughs> and there's like, get her like a gold dollar. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, keep going, keep going. Right. And he just keeps losing it. And uh, it's the second time he breaks character. And he has like an absolute it's, fucking uh, it's little like meltdown. Ready, it's like he's ready to walk out and all He that gets and up like... and he's fucking walking off. And the director behind the camera goes, no, 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 no. Just do the line, do the line, we're fine. Don't move, just, just come on. Work with it, Break. bring it into the character. 
And he's like, no, I'm so sorry. And he's fucking panicking. He's apologizing to the fucking Lancer. And he's like, I'm sorry. Can, can we just go back to one? And the camera fucking... Ah, uh, yeah, the camera, the camera goes the, back the, the to fucking the... Wheel, like, the wheels squeak as it rolls back into place. And it goes back to one. The score starts again. And there's fucking... All the fans delivering the line, and he nails it this time. Yeah, and he's just got this—he's like, got the big fucking mustache, and his lips are fucking going from one side of the face to the other. As he's fucking taking big slugs, a drink, and that's when it cuts to like that fucking brilliant moment of the film, like the absolute fucking breakdown in the trailer. oh, in the trailer where he just where the door opens and he's instantly launching something across the room, smashing something, kicking shit, going fuck, 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 and he just—he hates it because. Is, this is it. He's, he's yeah. losing his professionalism. He's, become, he's becoming what he hates. Aye. It's like, you silly bastard fucking whiskey sour. Who fucking drinks whiskey sour? Stupid son of a bitch. And he's fucking, he's like, goes off on one saying, I'm never going to drink again. And he takes a big <laughs> exhale. Takes a swig at his, his head flask and he opens like, the door and throws two it. Two second out. delay. like, <clears throat> throws it. And he fucking's like, La, little girl. Like, he just wants to mirror himself. He's like, I want to be as professional as her. And he just has that wee moment where he just looks in the wind in the mirror, and it's it's uh, the, the angle a great it. angle because it's like he's his reflection <laughs> stares at us, and it's like if you fuck this up, I will take a gun and fucking blow my fucking brains out tonight. You will be fucking dead. And it's just like Jesus Christ, this guy's fucking lost it. Yeah, and then. Cut to him doing the fucking second half of the scene, and he nails it. Yeah, like where he's got the girl on his knee, he's got the gun to her head, and there's like Luke Perry, and he's there, and then they make that joke about the bangle lancers, and they all yeah. laugh at him, and he fucking throws the girl to the ground, and he just he looks like hot shit. And yeah. then you've got the director behind the camera and going, Sexy Hamlet, give me Sexy Hamlet. <laughs> Keep, do it, do it. And then they like, we go cut, and it's just like the fucking girl whispering in his ear, like, that's the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's the look on his face. Like, he's, he's, he's like, got tears up. in his eyes and he's all that. So and he's fucking... proper related with himself. Exactly. It's like, that's what happens when you take it seriously. And it's just like, ah. Oh. Yeah, feel chuffed for him because that's it. it it, it pays off he's, he's he doesn't want to be a fail he wants to succeed yeah and aye and aye, cause cause it's is, in is, two parts aye, cause like, is, the Cliff Booth stuff in the middle oh no Sharon Tate going to the cinema to see Wrecking Ball Ah, yeah the film she's in with um, Dean Martin and that but like while obviously fucking Rick's filming Lancer like Cliff ends up fucking taking the hitchhiker oh to yeah Spawn Ranch own. What was it? Was it Margaret Quail? Quality or something like that. Yeah. I looked up. She was the, she was the lassie that, the lassie that was missing that uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe were looking for in The Nice Guys. Oh, yeah. She was like the one that we were missing and all that. Right, right. Because I think she has done a few things because obviously it's, it's hard to tell now because people do as much miniseries as well as movies. Yeah. The The whole... I guess we should talk about Spawn Ranch. Yeah. That's kind of like the natural bit to talk about now. And that is, like, this podcast has just got to be a majority of us going, oh, isn't this bit great? This bit was great as well. Like, we're more or less just sucking this film off because, to be <laughs> honest, 
what's a bad part about this movie? Yeah, and I don't think there really is. There isn't. So we're just going to keep talking about how much we fucking love this film. I'm sorry, but it has to be said. And the Spawn Ranch sequence is amazing. Yeah. Rick's there. No, Cliff's there with the the kind of mindset that something's off. I know George. And why the fuck would he let a bunch of hippies live like on Spawn Ranch? That's his... It was set. So he used to, uh, used to shoot the westerns there. Why the hell is this, this girl and all our hippie dumpster diving friends living there? Like, is he safe? Is he okay? Yeah. What the fuck's going on uh, here? Because they're still using like the ranch as like a a tourist attraction. Yeah, they're taking people on horse tours, and so it's almost like a false, like a false front sort of thing. Yeah, but then there's like fucking old school buses with like hobo slashes. See the guy with the top hat that come out fucking zipping up his jeans. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck, Slash doing there? Like, it always kind of gave the impression well. These are loose women. They're clearly like making money by fucking selling themselves. Yeah, because and... there's one that's pregnant. Yeah, and then you've got them selling fucking drugs. Well, the, the acid dipped cigarettes. Yeah. So like they're making money through nefarious means, and obviously Charlie is kind of sporadically spread in the film where. Yeah, like you get like one scene where he goes to Sharon's house. Exactly. Shows up looking for someone else. Yeah, and and you get him with the waves to like Cliff. Cl- yeah, when he's doing the TV. Yeah, did you see the deleted scene? I think I did, but I can't remember. It was kind of an extension of that scene, aye, wasn't like, it? because uh, it's like Cliff kind of doesn't really acknowledge him, and does you know like go like fuck you, aye, he doesn't yeah. dance and aye. tells him to fuck himself. Yeah, yeah. In the book, they have an extension on that where the guy he's trying to find. There's like a like a summer house at the back of Sharon Tate's house where the original owner stayed or the landlord stayed. Uh, and Charlie goes to him to try and find out the the new address of the person that lived there before. Yeah. And Charlie's like, oh man, I just really want to kind of get my music going. I've got these songs here for him to listen to. And the guy's like, oh, I really kind of help you. And he, kept, he starts bringing up the offers. Like, well, you know, I've got all these girls that kind of hang about, I could bring some girls over for you, and we could kind of, because yeah. that other guy had done music as well, and it's like, maybe if you listen to my music, I'll bring girls over, and he was just trying to use, kind of, his means to try and get what he wants, but the, obviously he just gives off fucking creepy vibes. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of these ones where I thought, I can, you felt like you were going to get more of them, but going into this film, you didn't know what you were going to expect. Yeah. And... Actually, do you remember the initial outcry when this film first came out and there were a lot of people stood up saying, Margot Robbie was robbed. Why does she have so fucking little screen time? Why does she barely have any dialogue in this movie? And she had a quite like a well-educated answer where just kind of said, well, context of the film. Her character did have plenty of dialogue, but yeah. the film was about Cliff and yeah. uh-huh. But when Cliff goes to Spawn Ranch, it does have that eerie thing, like the, the initial scene of the hippies, yeah. where they're sitting singing a song, where it's like, two by two, and they're just yeah. dumps it out, and they're fucking picking like, jars of pickles, and all this fucking rubbish, walking along the street, in a line, singing like, children's songs, and, when they get there, it's like, they've all got wee pet names, like Froggy, and Aye. Sunshine, and, is it Sunshine, but, um, 
there's something off about them, and he's just like, I kind of yeah, I kind of knows that something's going on, eh? Yeah, and then you've got fucking Dakota Fanning. Ah, as the 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 head one. Yeah, it's Dakota. Ah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Dakota. It's strange to think that fucking like that's the wee kid from War of the Worlds sitting in the back seat in a wee kid's chair. And Tom Cruise is her dad. And yeah, she's... to like the f- gloating that she's fucking fucking Bruce Dern. Exactly. It's like, if we told her that, it's like, you know, you'd be fucking the old man from the burbs. Like, what? Get away from me, you weirdo. <laughs> Hang on, like, when you look at, like, obviously fucking Bruce Dern being in it, and obviously he got brought in as a replacement for uh, Burt Reynolds. But then fucking... Timothy Oliphant was the replacement for Bill Paxton. He was going to be cast as a... Really? Yeah. Ah. Because I know, obviously, um, Luke Perry died. Luke Perry died like after the film wrapped and that. Yeah. Um, it's strange. Th- I could, it's great having Bruce Dern in the film because it's just kind I, of a continuity with him in the Tarantino-verse. Yeah. Which had his cameo in Django. You had his role... It was like the old general in Hateful Eight. Yeah, it was fucking brilliant in that. And then for him to show up here as well, just for a short role, because Bruce is no a spring Yeah, he's getting, he's getting old. Uh. Fucking, I, I, I dread the day to see that fucking trend on Twitter. If I see Bruce Dern trend on Twitter, I'm expecting yeah. the worst every time. Oh, it was great. It was just the absolute... The tension, like, the whole Spawn yeah. Ranch scene is, like, just... A... It's dipped in fucking horror. Yeah, it's like a fucking... Like a pot of boiling water where it's just... For the start, it's nothing. Everything's fine. There's talking. But it gets hotter and then hotter. And then there's fucking... Like, you'll go in. And as you are saying, it's like fucking horror music. Like, old-fashioned horror movie music almost as Cliff's walking to the end of the hall because he doesn't know what's going to find. Because ah, you can't expect that they're going to like jump him or something or he's going to walk in and find, and find that George is dead or something. Exactly. But no, he's just old and tired because Squeaky fucking fucked yeah. <laughs> fuck the fucking the life out of him. And he, he's blind. Like, exactly. I, like, I just, like, as typical like Bruce there, like, I, I generally don't think but Reynolds would be as good as Bruce Dern. I think Bruce uh, Dern played a bit, but I think it's because I, that I, like, I like Bruce Dern more than I like Burt Reynolds. Yeah, and that's it. That whole thing where it's like, he's, he's having to repeat himself to fucking yeah. Cliff, but he's old and dirty. He doesn't, he fucking forgets and then that Cliff was bring, like two or three times. Up, when he brings up to George at fucking, like, like Squeaky's like got red hair. Oh, and it's like, that, like the little redhead in the front. And, and he's like, oh, he's like, but if you didn't notice, he's like, I'm fucking blind, so how am I supposed to know what colour exactly. hair is? Aye. And it's like, oh, just... And he's just, I'm fucking blind! <laughs> and he's like, alright, George! And then he's like, you know what, I'm sorry, like, you touched me today, you you come to see me, Yeah. thank you. And he's like, it's alright, George. And he's like, what? who are you? <laughs> and he fucking has to start again, he's like, I'm an old friend! Yeah. He's like, Oh, I'm I'm tired. Yeah. And he's like, I need to get some sleep because she doesn't like it if I fall asleep through my shows at night. And it turns out, well, I guess it is an actual genuine and it's the fact that relationship the watch, it's between fact the two. The fact that they watch FBI as well and all that. <laughs> That's got a wreck in it. Exactly. So it's like, okay, it's not genuine. He's not being abused, but he's too fucking old to have to have any say in the matter. He yeah. probably just walked between the living room and the bedroom. I doubt he's out on the ranch. Yeah. So. 
but I always, uh, always like, I always think, and I always overthink whenever you watch it, that when, when you see that fucking brilliant shot when Cliff's leaving the house and he's walking down the ranch yeah. and it's all the all the followers are like hurling, heckling him and all that, Aye. and where the the hitchhiker like shouts at fucking. George isn't he blind? Uh, you're but, the one but, uh, blind. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like great delivery. And it's like, is George blind? Because <laughs> you're like, is he? Aye. Because he doesn't like, you know, you didn't really notice that he's blind or anything. Didn't notice yeah, anything he, different. He about complains him. about it, but it's just it, probably his eyes don't work as good as they used to. Yeah. But it, it was a fucking great line just like she's standing on top of the car and she's fucking shouting and everyone's giving him shit yeah. as he walks to the car and, and there it is the fucking the knife aye and it's just the big fucking yokel yeah sitting on the fucking fence he's proper chuff with yourself as well eh? aye and he just fucking belts him aye and the thing is like you could when the film kind of gets to its end you could kind of see that maybe a rip no right, maybe a fucking Cliff did kill his wife. Mm-hmm. Just by the way we have violent Cliff kind of gets. Yeah. Because, like, can he proper fucking uh, lamps the boy, like? Yeah, and it, it's shot brilliant because it's like slow motion. You almost fucking see his feet go up past yeah, his face. Yeah, it's like a brilliant shot where, like, he's holding them to, like, so, like, Cliff's facing the camera, but the guy isn't it, and he punches him, and the guy manages to turn, like, all the way around to face the camera with the blood, like, running down his face. Yeah. And the poor bastards, like, he gets the wheel and he's like, uh, changes, like, don't I get a rag from my face? <laughs> I was like, no, you didn't. Eh? And that's when you get, like, the wee introduction to Tex. Yes, aye, because that's it. They realise, fuck, this boy means business. And Tex is away doing tours. And they fucking haul him back. But by the time it's done, he's away. Isn't it? Yeah. He's not really there to confront him because he talks to them when he first shows up. They kind of want text to make sure if he's alright yeah and he's like oh no he's fine and text fucks off yeah then it's, then that kind of dips into like the third act to the film because you get the whole Kurt Russell narration where it's like six months later yes and aye. Rex took fucking the Italian like from Joe's oh, really aye, cause the, that's it the, the end he done he rap then they went home watched the FBI and it cuts back to Pacino yeah. And he's phoning, phoning up the, the Italian guys yeah. saying, right, FBI, I'm looking at your Nebraska gym. Yeah. And that's it. It does six months later. That's fucking, that's what else you get in that uh, lucrative box set. Like what you get the fucking opera, Operation Dynamite, Dyn- Dynamite poster. Oh, and, and it's like, oh, it's like, it's, it? I can't mind, but as soon as I fucking get my in-house in my wee film room, that's going up. Like, it's getting framed. And that's a this is the uh, let's talk about this now the the films within these films yeah like the, the i i want to see 14 fifths of mccluskey yeah i know this is a fucking film within a film but i yeah. want to like fucking dicaprio uh, rick dalton looks like fucking snake pliskin oh with the fucking patch. Na- uh, exactly with the flamethrower fucking flamethrowing nazis yeah and like take this you sour the fucking bastards as- the bit we never talked about with Lancer is when fucking Johnny Madrid's talking to him about fucking the role of Great Escape with McQueen and the deep fake it, they blend it's them in. It's amazing! And, yeah. I, 
and it's like obviously like well, I was reading like notes and stuff of they the obviously they couldn't reshoot because all the actors and yeah. the former dead and all yeah. that. So they had to like as much as Tarantino hates digital effects, Aye. they had to digitalize the Capra in it and it fucking it looked it's all right. seamless. That's and it's a... like I've never seen the Great Escape and I'm kinda like I'll maybe want to watch it. I've I've seen it once. I like because it's always on at Christmas time. Yeah, it's one of those films that's always on. It's like Channel Five. Yeah. Um, but I four think, of the adverts. Aye, um, I think it was like the first lockdown, and I was just tearing through my back catalogue of films. Great Escape was one of them. Yeah, but it was it was just how fucking clever and how seamless. Like yeah. DiCaprio looked, and he's telling two stories. He's talking about, oh man, well, it was me and these three other guys. Yeah, the three Georges, George Peppard, who uh, was Hannibal in the A-Team. Right. I don't know who the other two folk were. Yeah, but, like, fucking Gavin Stacey knew right away. He's like, ah, yeah. shit. Yeah, uh, Jim no Stacey. Jim Stacey. And the way it comes across, it was like, he was nowhere near it, but he was actually on fucking set filming scenes. Yeah. So he was in the role, but fucking McQueen yeah. obviously replaced right. him. And you're just, and it's just the way he talks about where he comes out with the wee quips and he's like, right, one month into ten, two months, right, you're in the cooler. And he sits and talks about wanting to see, uh, was it Germany or he was wanting to see it from the sky ah, and from yeah. the ground. He plans on doing both before he leaves. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, he's, they, they made it look seamless. It looked amazing. Uh, and, it's the same, like, other shots in the film. It looks really obvious in the difference, like, when it's the credits of FBI and it's it's stock footage, yeah. which is clearly from the day, and then it cuts to, like, Rick chewing gum, and you can tell the fucking difference in the technology it was filmed in. But yeah. even when it was, like, that Operation Dynamite and it's the fucking... Uh, it's like an Italian job rip-off, eh? Yeah, and he's driving and... Oh, and the car goes out. The, the freeze frame. And, and the... the, 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 the Put the, cliff on it, aye. Yeah, the wee yellow arrow pops up going, cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's all these shots of him with the changing gears and he's driving about. And I was like, man, I love all these little fucking films, like little fictional films within yeah. this film. And it's just the the bounty law. But it's just 14 fifths of McCluskey. And it's just <sighs> like, oh, it sounds so good. And even at the end when JC bring, brings up, like, he's oh, I had to use a flamethrower. He's like, from 14 flits of McCluskey. And it's like, yeah, the same one. <sighs> as, as when he's talking about to, to Pacino at the start, where he had to learn, had to take Aye. lessons with yeah. the flamethrower. And it cuts to the shot of him doing the torch and stops. Like, Can we do something about that heat? And like, Rick, it's a flamethrower. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh. And it's just like, I could still remember just fucking doing belly laughs in the cinema moments like that because it's just so fucking funny just complaining about the heat on a flamethrower oh because you get the wee narration with Kurt Russell and that about like how it was a cliff went well because they didn't want to be alone yeah like in Italy and, and like it's the fact that they talk about the fact that like like Rick gained like 15 pounds and all exactly. that exactly living eating fucking pasta in Italy and but and that's like, he'd done a few films. It was like six months they said he was there. Ah, he'd done like three or four and films. Like, don't call me Gringo, Ringo. Or, ah, yeah. And Nebraska Gem. And then there was like some about Red Blood and something else. Red oh, Sands. Um, oh, fucking. Um, red Skin, Red Blood. 
Ah, yes. Yeah. Aye. And so it's like he'd done half a dozen films. And it's almost sad through his narration when I talk about, like, he done six films, he got some notoriety, he got a new wife, but he spent most of the money on the fucking, the apart, the, the room apartment. And, yeah. And you think, oh man, you, you kind of, you, you sympathize for the character. It's like, he's went across there to make money and he's not made as much, but he's come back, he's kind of, he's kind of grown a wee bit of a hippie look to uh, him. His hair's yeah. a wee bit longer, as you said, he's a wee bit heavier. He's got a wife, <laughs> Rick, sitting in coach. With his endless Aye, bloody Cliff Mary's. Cool. Yeah, it's a bit where uh, you see Cliff pushing his fucking luggage <laughs> through the airport and uh, yeah. And he has that wee heartfelt moment where I'm in the bar before they come back saying, Well, I've got a wife now. Uh, I can't really, really afford you. Like he he's come to the realisation he's no like he's he's no hot shot. He's maybe having to sell his Hollywood home to get something more affordable and live off of the money and hopefully what's it, wait for like the next pilot season. Uh, and Cliff, to his credit, just kind of takes it on the chin. Although they they, they play that moment where he has like a long slurp of his drink. And it's like, that's some... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it cuts back to him in the plane, sitting slurping his fucking Bloody Mary. Mm. But it was, it was like, oh, the tone of the film's changed. We're now getting narration. We're getting timestamps. We're here now. And like... Sharon Tate's yeah, going out. Yeah, she's pregnant. Aye. And, uh, like, Polanski's away fucking... On, like, a tour for his next film and all Yeah, that. so it's just her, Jay, and a couple friends. They're going out for a meal. They're they're going home. There seems to be reoccurring big joints. Everyone seems to have a big joint with them. Yeah. Um, And then Cliff and Rick are going out for one last big sesh. <laughs> and there's that great shot where both of them's like this on the other couch and lying down, sitting talking about fucking movies. And they're talking about the guy's an asshole. And there's like talking about this great action director. And they're just having just the talking shop, but they're both hammered and just fucking sliding further into big leather chairs. Yeah. And they eventually make it back to their home. I could the Ricks. Right. I could the during the narration courtesy the fucking. That because obviously two of them were drinking, they took a tats of him. Yeah, and I, I think I, I like one of the things I liked about the film was that we never actually spoke about it with my notes was like the cinematography. Yeah, and like just the way the colors, mm-hmm. especially when you get that the shot with like all the fucking restaurants and all the cinemas lighting oh, up, and just that sound. So I saw the neon, I saw the neon buzzes yeah. and that, that really good. And was it like the hypnodrome or something like the big light into the uh, sky? And was that no like premiere in like a dirty movie or something? They make uh, a comment of it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And it's like they have premieres for dirty movies. Like they're quite fun. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's they're just so much of this fucking film that you could talk about. But it is like they work their way back home, and it's kind of like they, they they kind of break off. It's not like this the drinking session continues. Rick's sitting making fucking margaritas, and Cliff. Decides to take Doug for a walk. Yeah. While you're having the... The acid dip cigarette. And, yeah. oh... That's a bit... It's just like, and away we go. Yeah, like, he starts it and he's like, oh, this is... Like, I'm waiting to see when does it kick in. And it's not until he comes back and he's trying to do the dog food. And he goes uh... to throw his arm out to tell her off. And he just stops and stares at his hand. And he starts waving his arm about. <laughs> and you can imagine, it's probably like... Oh, what was the, what was the fucking Mickey Mouse movie? 
Fantasia. Yeah, and he's just waving his hand. You can imagine it probably in slow motion, all neon and tripping. And he's like, oh shit. And he's like, when he opens the fucking thing, he's looking at the dog food and he like licks it and all that. And it's just like. And the big plop it makes as it falls, and he's like, whoa. And Brandy's tired of this shit. He's like, what are you. Get my food in that dish. What's wrong with you? Hurry up. Obviously, this is also leading up to the whole like Manson cut, but just before that, obviously. When Cliff's away, fucking, oh, they go up in the car. Yeah, and the, the noise on the muffle of the car. Ah, yeah, fuck, and it's just as brilliant, fucking, like, Rick Red Dog comes of... out with a big fucking, like, blender jug with exactly. his margarita, and he's just fucking hammering it. Ah, he's giving it, like, hitting the car, telling you, he's like, you hippies up here think you're going to fucking smoke your drugs on a dark road? No, get out of my fucking neighbourhood. <laughs> Drinking his fucking margarita from the blender. Yeah. He's just <laughs> like just an absolute fucking so like a pig of shit. Aye, and he's just there banging, shouting at the guy, What you fucking waiting for? And he's and the guy's fucking panicking, going, Whoa, Greg, calm down. I just need to turn around. He's like, just fucking reverse and he's getting him shit. And the redheads in the car were a hand on the pistol. Yeah. And first time watching it, and you're like, No, 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 because like I, I've watched these characters for the last two and a half hours. Like, if anything happened to these guys, oh uh, fucking this. Like, I love Rick and Cliff. Don't, and I'm like, don't do anything. I don't want anyone to die. And she's holding a gun. And you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. And you're absolutely on the edge of your seat. And they, they obviously the hippies get scared off. They fucking reverse away. And he's standing there like fucking bounty law in his wee silk house coat <laughs> and his fucking frozen margarita and the blender. And they get to the bottom of the street and the realise and the realization hits and like, Do you know who that was? It's like fucking Jake Cahill and I love just the wee bit like this dialogue where it's Rex and the three girls and Rex is like, That's Jake Cahill. It's like I used to have that Bounty Law lunchbox as a kid. That was my favourite lunchbox. I know. And like, you're like... Like, did he have more than one lunchbox like? And you're just thinking, oh, he collected lunchboxes as a kid. And you're just thinking, it's a, like, a wee bit, like, the, the character death. And then it's the other girl, and she knows him too, and then they chastise the fucking lassie with the black hair. Yeah. And she's, she's great as well. I think it was, like, Sadie. I don't know who. She... Like what actress she was, um, but is that the one that goes back to the car, or is that the one that actually no, goes with them? Um, the one that goes back to the car, because this is the film where it's like a lot of daughters and sons of people that worked Aye. with them before. The daughter obviously was the daughter that backs, sorry, the character that backs out of the murders and leaves is is it Millie? Oh, I can't. Remember. I think kind of the it's it's Uma Thurman's daughter. Is it? Yeah. Because I know, like, fucking, as I know, like, Bruce Willis's daughter's in it. Rumor, Wils- Rumor, Rumor Willis. Rumor Willis. I saw the name in the credits, but I couldn't and tell you who. And fucking Kevin Smith's daughter's in it yeah, as well. Harley like. Quinn Smith. She's yeah. one of the hippies. Yeah. But, yeah, so Uma Thurman's daughter is the one that backs out and fucks off with the car. Ah. Uh. Last with the black hair. I don't know if that's Bruce Willis's daughter. I'd have to have a look at uh, later. But, um... I loved their delivery where she comes up with the idea talking about their group uh, trip sessions where they're all on uh, acid. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we watch TV as kids. They show us how to murder. Why don't we murder the people that taught us how to murder? And 
And she's like, this is really far out, man. It's like a fucking goat <laughs> saying that line. And it's just, oh, it's brilliant. I could hear fucking the 70s talking like that. That yeah. must be. And they, they just get so fucking up. It's like, yeah, let's cut off their cocks and make them eat it. And it's like, you want to go kill some piggies? And they all get fucking really hyped uh, up. And the other lassie's like, I'm going to fucking leave you in it. I want nothing to do with this. And this is where, like, Tarantino plays with history. Because... Yeah. Uh, like these are like four real people yeah and i think in the, the actual murdered all of like sharon c i think one of them did back out Aye. and fucked off well, and left them when i was reading the day about it so the one that backed out mm-hmm. she uh, initially got told to go back to the car by text yeah text was the only name of the real like, the only name that they used aye. the other names were like, like different for the film and all that aye aye but she said that when she went back to the car, she like was too scared to like drive away or anything. Right. So I don't think she was. I don't think she was like as a severe. Aye. Thing. Can, but obviously the rest of them obviously did. Mm-hmm. Aye. So, and well, that's the other thing. And it's when they're walking up the hill and they're carrying knives in their hands, yeah. and like Jesus Christ, and it's it's just when they. Uh, spring on cliff aye cause it's Brandy that he hears it and, yeah. and he's like cause he's playing music real loud and it disturbs fucking Rick's wife Francesca yeah she's flip- and I never knew Francesca is I knew she was the wife of Eli Roth yes and uh, one of her earlier acting credits with she was knock one, knock yes with one Anna of, de Armas exactly one of the two Big boobed, fucking bubble covered <laughs> ladies that seduced Keanu Reeves. I wonder why Eli Roth married. <laughs> like, that was a uh, quite a role she got put in. Yeah, I would have married uh, Anna de Bar- uh, Anna de Armas like easily. <laughs> she probably easily. said no. So <laughs> probably went like, oh, that's just like I've only watched her for once, and it's never on fucking streaming. Yeah, it's and it's, it's the fucking where... end, and it's ending the fact that like, like he's buried up he's to buried his up neck his head and, and like everything gets uploaded on and all Facebook that. and he's just sitting watching all the comments because he ends up being a fucking prick yeah oh, part of it was like I want to show that film to Margaret and then part of it was like she'll probably look at me going you're a pervert <laughs> look at this film there's like these lassies having group sex in the shower with Keanu Reeves and yeah before like John Wick so he was still kind of like ah, he, was... he wasn't like well loved as he was like post John Wick because he is he is fucking still like everyone loves Keanu Reeves yeah but Knock Knock was still at a stage where he wasn't quite black his, yeah. his stock wasn't as high as it is now but the fact that Eli Roth yeah that's his wife and she was the wife when she was in this film yeah as the wife for Rick Dalton who have now been divorced since All right. then so um but she served her role perfectly as just mm. the, the the Italian yeah uh, loud mouth wife. She didn't have a lot to do. Like. Yeah, more or less spent half the film just tossing and turning in bed, wondering what the fuck. Who's playing vanilla fudge? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and Rick's just uh, Cliff's just fucking like whoa. My drugs have kicked in. Yeah, what was it he saying? The fucking train's train left, left the, the station. <laughs> and fucking Brandy's like, I'm never going to get fed now. What the fuck? 
and then the fucking doors get kicked in, like the uh, front door and the side door. And he's like looking around, thinking, Is this part of my trip? Are you guys real? And uh, Rex says the worst line uh, that you can say to somebody that's tripping out on drugs, like, I'm as real as a donut. And, R- and Cliff's like, <laughs> <laughs> start laughing, and he like puts his hand up and as, as almost like it's parallel. Yeah, because that's it. Rex has got a fucking gun in his face, and Cliff's just like, Fuck it. Like, I'm obviously just tripping. And I love, like, he realizes that, Wait a second. I know your name. And the guy's like, I'm the devil and I'm here to do devil business. And he's like, nah, something stupider than that. Yeah, like, Tex. Yeah. <laughs> and it's when, it's when he looks at the wee one and he's like, he's like, I remember you. Ah, he's like, I remember your orange hair and your little white face. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just, and it, this is happening. It's kind of funny. You're a little bit worried. Like, first time watch, you're like, what's going to happen? He's got a gun pointed at him. And he's making fun of him. He's laughing at him. He's like, fuck. I can imagine Cliff just getting shot in the face. Yeah. And it's just like Tarantino brutality. We'll see his fucking face blow up. Yeah. And you've got Vanilla Fudge in the background building up to a crescendo. With a dum, da 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 And like, <laughs> fuck. And the only person that's ready to fucking act is Brandy on the couch. She's like... <laughs> Stone, she's like fucking Steven Seagal in the nineties, ready to fucking snap necks. Just cry her Nico, and she's ready. <laughs> and it's just the music's building up, and whilst Cliff is fucking a bit stoned, he's still enough. Like he's he's playing with him, and uh, when he knows, like fuck, and like it's close enough, he just goes and uh, Brandy jumps, fucking grabs Rex by the hand. And the sound, the sound design of it, uh, the fucking, the sound of it tearing his wrist, the screaming, the fact that the last of the black hair, Sadie gets melted with tin uh, of dog the, foods. The, the dog food, eh? and like, it, like, it properly fucking bursts their fistle. Aye, he fucking throws like he's pitching for the, like, the fucking Yankees or something, and it just... The, it's a tin of dog food, so imagine being hit in the face with a dog food, someone's throwing it. And the shot where you could just see her nose clearly broken and the screaming. Mm. The fucking screaming. And mm. obviously you've got the redhead who's went and woke up Francesca. Yeah. And she doesn't know what to do. And Francesca sees what's going on and just fucking smacks her. But really, there's like obviously no strength behind yeah. the punch. Yeah. <laughs> Jumps back up. She screams like a fucking cartoon character and runs away. By this time, it's the fucking the progression where Rex where it went from his wrist to yeah. his balls yeah. and he screams and it's that shot from the ground up and you see the the veins in his throat like his windpipe everything yeah. fucking go as he's being fucking chewed on and he's fucking in, dug. in knife gets fucking like turned into his own leg ah he fucking disarms him and uh, it's he gets Fucking, what's that? Like, he gets curbs on. He gets a ah, fucking yeah. boot to the face. He gets ended. And it is it's like the knee gets broken. The like the knife in the leg, as you said, fucking between Brandy and Cliff. Because and then fucking is it Sadie's mom with the red hair? Eh? Sadie, the one with the black. Uh, now she gets the dog next, doesn't he? Ah, yeah. Snaps Brady, yeah. Uh, Brandy over to her, and then. He gets tackled by Aye. the redhead. And the knife goes into his and uh, hip. Again, it's still the music's building up and you're thinking they're all over. And like, fuck, where did that knife go? 
Is he going? Is it in his stomach? What's going on? And he stands up, and it's in his hip. It's uh, right. proper, like the whole, the whole the blade like, the is whole gone. Blade in his hip. And he just kind of looks, and he realizes, like, oh fuck! And he and just absolutely fucking goes, goes to, to town. town eh? Like he's fucking like, eh, let's paint every wall in this room. <laughs> I'm going to grab you by the face and melt off the coffee table. The fucking telephone. The fact that her head hits with the receiver and is like, mm. oh, you, you could dry heave, just like, oh, oh fuck. And you're thinking, there's all these... And it's just this fucking, like, the, the, the brick mantelpiece. Oh, and it's like the jaw, and like, I don't think she has a jaw at that point. Uh, I think parts of her fucking face is gone. And it's like, poof, poof. Like, fucking, oh, the, the, the Nebraska gym poster, sure. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Cross the walls, bang, bang, bang. It's like he's fucking playing bingo and she's the dabber. She's going, dum, 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 all over the house. And you're just like, Jesus Christ. And then, obviously, Sadie goes off with a gun. Yeah. Brandy fucking bolts, hides with Francesca. And you get that shot of her going out into the pool. Yeah. Because Rick's there the whole time, completely oblivious. Steaming. Headphones on, steaming, singing away in his wee floaty chair. <laughs> and then, fucking the glass smashes. Sadie comes in, falls in the pool. And she just starts fucking firing the pistol, doesn't she? Aye. Scares the shit out of Rick. And, like, what do you do? Fuck it. I'll run to the hut and grab my flamethrower. And it's the fact that they play the music for fucking the exactly. three fists and the Costco. Yeah, the score fist. changes yeah. and just bathes her with, like, a sea of flames. Yeah. And, like, if, if you're just thinking, like, sure, we watch these films and in your mind's like, man, where's, where's when, when are we going to get the, the Christopher Nolan moment, like, interstellar? And when you get like Wes Anderson when is a moment where it's like this is the director's style this is what the director likes to do yeah. and then when you get this ultra violence in the last 10 minutes you're like man this is a Tarantino film this is like this is the ultra violence we've come to expect and to be honest when you think back like maybe you get in some but this feels like a lot at once and maybe just because he's held off for the last two and a half hours yeah now I'm going to start smashing pus across all because you didn't get because then in the hateful eight like the last half hour we like they shoot with fucking daisy's brother jody and like the sheriff and all that and marcus and it's all quite fucking grim and all that yeah and you get the bit with the poison coffee as well which is in blood like there's no really any violence in the film up until there yeah yeah and that's it It's, it's kind of like well this is all Whereas, like, when you watch, like, when you watch Django, like, Django's just fucking mad, like, it's total squib heavy. Exactly, that fucking shit out of the house at the end. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's just the moment when Rick Dalton walks out with a flamethrower. Yeah. Fucking blasts her until she just kind of melts into the pool. Well, you you weren't, no one was expecting that outcome. Nah. I, I was saying, like, fucking, I was fucking giddy. Yeah, like during that, because like you didn't really think that it was going to have any violence or that. I know to that extent. Where, like, would you imagine someone using a flamethrower at the end of this film? Yeah, and it's the outcome from it. Where, like, sure, uh, Cliff gets loaded up into the back of the ambulance. He's oh, and fine. He's telling a story. Aye. Yeah, he's like, 
Ah, he said he was like the devil in here to do some devil shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and that's the fact that like when he's getting wheeled out in the gun and he's like, and away we go. Ah, he fucking repeats it again. I loved it. Um, and then Cliff, uh, Rick's like, do you want me to come with you? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you stay with your fucking pretty wife. Get naked. Get into beds. And he's like, nah, she's got brandy. You fucking lost it. Aye, it's like, I gave her like three sleeping pills or something. Ah, he's like way. telling the ambulance crew to come back and wake her up. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like, just bring bagels. And it's the shot where he's like, he goes in, shuts the door, and he just fucking wants to chap on the window and tells him about how you're a, you're a good friend. And he just fucking, I try my best. And that was always that moment in my head. I think I've told you it before. I was like, man, maybe this is where like Rick will ask Cliff, like, what happened with your wife? I always feel uh, like yeah. it's like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. You never get to oh, know. I know. You never know. You'll never know. And it just gets left at that. And he's standing there, the ambulance is away, and JC brings at the fucking gates. Yeah. Asking him if he's all right. And I love it because I saw, I've seen it posted online before where it's like a screen cap of Rick talking about, I'm living next door to Roman Polanski. I'm one pool party away from fucking being in a, in a movie with Polanski. Yeah. And it cuts to him torching the last in the pool and then JC brings inviting him into the house yeah because like, he talks cool. to Sharon on the intercom and it is it's like this lovely eerie music it's almost like something for like Wizard of Oz I know it isn't Aye. but there's like the gates open from at the end and he just walks off it's like he's going through the gates of heaven like he's Aye. he's found his status now like he's going to be on the fucking cover of all the papers of surviving an attack from crazy hippies from the Manson family yeah and the the novel kind of expands upon it of what he does in his career after that. All right. But it's told really early. like So it's just complete reverse order of what you'd expect yeah. the fucking story to finish on. But that's it. We've talked about it all, I think. Do you have any notes? Anything we've skipped over you want to talk about? Nah, the only thing I've... The only note I had at the very bottom... Was do you think Tarantino will make a tenth film? Yes, I feel it's it's almost a given, and because you wouldn't like really end on a ninth, would you? No, nah, I I think it's always kind of been known that he's he had ten films planned, Aye. and everyone's like, well, fuck, he's down to his last shot now, and what could it be? And I because that's what they were saying, eh? like, and like he's done. He's done like a fucking a western. He's done like a civil war piece. He's done a war film. Nah, he's done like a a who done it. He's done his kung fu samurai. Yeah. Um, What would you say Jackie Brown was? Was like a like a black exploit? Yeah, kind of, kind of. Um, like a crime movie as well. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs, like Pulp Fiction, like the kind of mixed genres with like crime. Aye. But, um everyone's want. who knows what his last film will be and yeah. obviously he's now got like a kid he's obviously married and he's kind of got maybe different priorities of he's doing more podcasts now where he's talking yeah. about films or it was more to promote the the hollywood uh novel he did yeah and everyone's asking like what's this 10th movie and he doesn't have an idea for it yet yeah I've seen things in the last couple of days where people thinking it's going to be a spaghetti western. Then I've seen things where people think it's going to be Kill Bill 3. And it's going to be Uma Thurman's daughter. 
playing the uh, door. Aye, uh, uh, a lot of folk were saying that like we kind of wanted a third one for a while. I would kind of. So a lot of people want one. closure for that story. Like they want because they know who's still alive. They'll they'll know the daughter of Vivica Fox uh, was yeah. alive, and then Uma Thurman's daughter is alive. So they'll fight like. People want more. People want sequels. But people want like a Vega Brothers movie. And Aye. You, you yeah. just don't know what you'll do. But I think part of like, it, it shouldn't be a sequel. Nah. It needs to be. Everything he kind of does is yeah. original time to time to time. Like obviously, Kill Bill was like originally one thing, but you yeah. had to make it two. So... I think again, just come up with another film across different still, genres. Could he still characters. Is he still hunting like the like best director? Like, uh, and best awards. Because like in like his head, like I mean, this got all through original two. screenplay. Uh, it's like screenplay and stuff like that. It's, he's never got on fucking like best film, best director or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You think he would end up just getting it handed to him because they know it's his last film? Because like how Oscars always do these ones, where it's like, well, Scorsese's been due this one for a while, right? There you go. I uh, see. I Departed. think because I think it's like, I mean, like, like, uh, I mean, also the part is like my favorite Scorsese film, and I was fucking chuffed that he got the Oscar for it. Yeah, but a lot of folk thought he would have gotten the Oscar for like say Goodfellas, Taxi Driver. Exactly. But, all the, but then you, you, you need to kind of look at the films that came out in the years. Aye, what, and all that. what was there that award season? So like in the, the same year as fucking was was it not like Kramer versus Kramer was the same year as like Taxi Driver and all that and that's a total like fucking Oscar, Oscar bait. fucking bait film. Aye. Um, you've got obviously I mean when you look at like obviously Pulp Fiction, like Shawshank Redemption. No, I thought it was fucking Forrest Gump that got it. Was it? Right. That's it. Sometimes it's just down to Aye. bad timing. Yeah. But... but it's the same with the whole, like, DiCaprio getting best actor for, like, The Revenant. Yeah. Like, well, Revenant was good, but I still, I, I think he should have got it for Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Because, like... That was maybe my initial comparison when I was watching it this time around, when I was seeing Rick Dalton and Insecurities... It was like the mirror image of him as Jordan, is it Jordan Belfort? Aye. And like Wolf of Wall Street, where the character just fucking pisses charisma. He's just yeah. this chest beating maniac. It's that it, it opposite. Aye. And it's just great to kind of see the range that Di- DiCaprio. I always remember back in the days, I just, I hate the cunt. He was in Titanic. And ah, fucking. Like, all they was swearing over him. And fucking, I mind Andy for years refused to watch films like Inception because just. Fucking hate. I hate DiCaprio, and I think it was like Shutter Island eventually changed his mind and <sighs> went back. But it was as like one of these ones, like oh fucking Hollywood pretty boy. I can't be. I can't stand uh, that guy. But that's the same thing with fucking like Ryan Gosling and all. Yeah, like the fucking Andy yeah. hates Ryan Gosling. Eh? Uh, I knew it's just like well fucking and like DiCaprio's proved everyone wrong, and it's just. Yeah. Whereas like, like fuck, you can't hate this guy. Like, Hang was kind of becoming like that new, like that Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, he's jaded, but it's still at that stage where it's like, you could love or hate him. Like, the fact that he's now in, like, the fucking Willy Wonka origin movie. 
Uh, which they've just cried it fucking Wonka. Yeah. And it's just him dressed like the fucking artful Dodger. Like, he's like, in the, the French Dispatch as well. Yeah, and that's like he's he's fucking like he's getting a good resume. Like the fucking look at the directors that he's working with. Yeah. So kind of the same with like fucking like Adam Driver. Well, nah, no, really Adam Driver because he was who's that I'm thinking? Of? Like Jess Eisenberg. Yeah. And that. Like fucking a lot of folk when they touch him for a while, same with fucking Michael Cera and that like folk. Yeah, the, the tired of him being the same guy in every film. Yeah. But uh, so we all done on Hollywood. I notes are good, like I've got my oh my shit here, like. All right, I I'll tell you that I've got a section. Alright. So I won't spoil the novel. Aye. But I'll tell you what the bullet points of where what they go into. Just for people that have haven't they thought about watching uh listening to it or reading it yet if you have a chance get on audible do it it's it's fucking brilliant um so they tell you straight up what happens with cliff and his wife on the boat right uh they tell you the origin of brandy which is brilliant and makes so much sense all right I, there's not a big spoiler but she was a dog that was used for it's not like cock fights. What's it like when they're like dog fights? Oh, right, aye. And uh, it was Cliff and an old stunt buddy put money together and got, got Brandy and they were doing the circuit and she was destroying dogs and they were making daft money but aye. Cliff couldn't even bear to watch her go through all of this aye. and he eventually got the dog from the guy bought like bought him out. Aye. So he kept the dog. So I explained when he snaps his finger she could turn aye. into a fucking yeah. killer. So, like, she's been trained like that, but, so, that was brilliant, how they kind of filled in those blanks. Yeah. Um, they kind of go more into Charles Manson and his sway with all, like, the, the girls and how he'd use the girls on people to get yeah. money and they get food and, like, to kind of get his music career going. Uh. Um, and, yeah, there's, like... I feel like a quarter of the book is just fucking Lancer stuff. Like that first episode, it uh, kind of goes beyond that, and you're you get genuinely invested in the Lancer story, and then it cuts and he's like, "That's the end of the episode." They're away doing something else. Like Jesus Christ, I fucking forgot I was listening to this book. I'm sitting listening to Lancer uh, for like the last two hours. They go into Rick's career after killing the hippies. Like he goes across to Europe and starts doing films in England with Polanski. Uh, uh, there's a good chapter about Bruce Lee, a little bit more about him trying uh, to get films done. I cause that received a lot of backlash for Lee's daughter. Eh? Yeah, because they kind of like the, she wasn't happy with the portrayal of him, but yeah, Mike Moe, because they kind of portrayed him as what she said, like a blowhard. Yeah, like a wee arrogant prick yeah. that gets shown up by by Cliff, and yeah, that was the main parts, but. It does, it just kind of follows Rick and Cliff through a few more films and Cliff doing more stunt work and how yeah. he was kind of brought on as like a ringer in movies as well. Yeah. As in like like the the Bruce Lee situation where sometimes he would get brought on and if it was like a, someone on the set acting like a prick, he was there just to more or less sort them out. He would get sacked from the mm. film but the crew would all buy him a crate of beer because it, that's what the guys be needing. You got sacked because of it, but we've we've got money for you and we've uh, got beer for you. 
just like right we need we need somebody to come in and get sacked but fucking punch yeah. this cunt in the puss for us on your way out so it is it's not a lot I don't, is it 11 hours yeah. but fucking through Jennifer Jason Lee's narration and you're getting all this extra content on these fucking characters it's such an easy listen yeah yes next section it's time for you to drop some facts with our oh no our, well I was going to say BBT but we've kind of extended it we've thrown some extra letters into there yeah I've got like BBT Trevor and I've got like like the, like the awards that I won and stuff like that um one two I've got four I've got, I've got four bits of Trevor but I've actually got like I suppose that's kind of a bit of trivia as well, I suppose. Um, but I'll go with the BBT first, so obviously, like, Tarantino's fucking budget, and it's not going to be, like, astronomical, but right. it'll still be a pretty number. Aye, I'd imagine, because, I mean, what about you fucking... Especially when you the cast. Yeah, and think about the locations, like the Hollywood Strip. Ah, yeah. To have it fucking changed to, like, the 60s, Aye. and, like, how much do you... You tell me how much is it going to cost? Ah, yes, yeah, so I've got the budget, uh, yeah, I've got yeah, the yeah, domestic, yeah. and I've got the foreign market. I'm fucking terrible when it comes to budgets. I would just say at least 100 million. Eh, you're close. It's got a budget in 90. Well, I said 90. Right. But then when you click on, when you type it in Google, it says 90 to 96 mil. But when you go on Box Office Mojo, it tells you 90 mil. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and like, the interesting thing is the fact that it got released in the summer. Yeah. So it's probably going to garner a lot of a lot of attention. Fun fact was that it was supposedly going to be getting released on the day of the Sharon Tate murder oh. to commemorate the fiftieth yeah. anniversary. I reckon that would be but a good thing. But the taste, studios pulled it and released it earlier. Earlier, earlier, I can't remember, and I can't remember the reason behind it. But the initial thing was they were going to release it on the day, like whatever day oh, it murder. was. Aye. Yeah, to like can be as be as, as significant as what it was. Yeah, and that's obviously I, I know, obviously Tarantino done this film with a lot of respect and work with like the Tate family because it was. Ah, you worked like, with our, his uh, sister. sister. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of Sharon jewelry. Was right. given to Margot Robbie to wear in the film, right. and she got given a copy of the script before a lot of people did. Right, and she was the one that like gave Tarantino like the blessing to get fucking Margot Robbie for it and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. You, you, especially when it's a film that's kind of sensitive in the way where it's characters in this film from real life were brutally murdered. And it was even worse, like, that she was pregnant, and, like, it's yeah. just Aye. fucking tragic. So that's, like, like fucking 100% you would want the, the family's blessing yeah. from this, and you would take on all the fucking advice that they would give you. Like, if they were wanting anything changed, you probably wouldn't argue with them. Yeah. It's stand-up that Tarantino, at least... And him because of the fact that, that like, like, Tarantino changed history yeah. in his film. Aye. Like, he didn't use it... Like, the film wasn't about glorifying, like, the Manson murders yeah. or anything like that. It ended up being a, 
a fictional story. Yeah, and the fucking... And that just happens to be like the subplot sort of thing. Yeah. And that's it's not the first time. I mean, fucking bastards. Like, oh, yeah, killing Hitler in the uh, theatre. Yeah. Like, the, the fucking the bear Jew absolutely yeah. destroying Hitler with like a was like a machine gun. Ah, uh, yeah. So, I'm surprised they never, like, it wasn't Charlie attempting these murders and Cliff and Rick killing Charlie. But yeah. that might have been too on the nose. But at least killing the people that carried yeah. out the murder. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? It took domestic. Oh, I had to do well. So if it was only 90, it would... I always find with these films as well that, like, the domestic things are decent, but it takes more on a foreign market as yes, we are there. Yes, it's like... definitely always bigger when it, on the foreign market, so... I, I, I think, and I'm going to fuck this up. I would say 150 domestic. Yeah, you're kind of close again. It took 142.5. That's all right. Because <clears throat> that's it. You know, it's Tarantino... With this stellar cast, it clearly is going yeah. to make bank. It's released at the right time of year. Foreign, would it... I can, would you say three to four hundred million worldwide? Uh, so, <clears throat> foreign, it took 231.8, which gave it a 300... Like, 374 mil, like, worldwide. Okay. Like, full, so, like... yeah. It made more than three times its money. Yeah, but aye. Four times more than its money. Aye, they didn't need to worry about that making aye. bank. That was guaranteed. And then obviously, like when it got like the awards, obviously, it was nominated for fucking best picture, best director, mm-hmm. uh, best supporting actor. I don't think Margot Robbie was nominated. Uh, would it be supporting? Maybe. But she maybe no. Maybe not. she probably would have been nominated for that bombshell. Was that at the same time? Maybe. Yeah. But... And that's that a total Oscar bait movie as well. Aye, the Fox Report thing, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, I got, got a fucking Brad Pitt best born actor. There was nobody in that list that would have got Stood it. a chance, and yeah. That. And then it was good to see that I got like best production design. Because when you watch the behind the scenes and all that, the, the lengths that they went, mm-hmm. the fact that like, they had to actually give... Notices to every business owner on Hollywood Boulevard that they were going to be shooting a film on the street and they were wanting them to put up facades of like old school fucking like yeah, relics yeah. and signs and stuff like that. Just that, asking them to play along. Aye, like the, the, the initial the initial like outcry was like really negative. Like right. the one they wanted to do it, but then after it they decided they actually said that they quite liked it. Aye. And they wanted to keep it after filming and stuff like that. Yeah, it goes like an attraction um, almost. Like stuff like that, the fact that like they filmed like Spawn Ranch, like on a ranch obviously. Aye. A lot of people were saying that the set from Lancer awfully reminiscent of the same town that uh, Django and King Schultz goes into in and Django, and right. looks kind of almost similar. Yeah. So that then kind of maybe they're trying to say that maybe like a, a character in that timeline, something to do with like like Doctor Schultz and all that. But like, also they never like that documentary didn't really dive deep into it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but like trivia, obviously. So also we talked about fucking Burt Reynolds passing, Aye. and uh, and how that. Bill Paxton was going to be Jim Stacy, and he gave it to Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. 
it kind of works because if you look at the similarities of like like Timothy Oliphant, he he had a, a he was in an episode of that is it Deadwood. Yeah, I uh, the, the Western with Shane Black. No, Shane was the old guy. Oh, I know who you're on about. Okay, he's, he's, he's in John Wick. Yeah, yeah. Aye. Um, and he was in that Justify where he played like a sheriff, right? And uh, so mm. uh, a lot of folk were saying that can it actually worked out well. Yeah, I know he was good in it. Yeah, I, quite, mm. yeah, I, I, I actually quite liked him, like Timothy Oliphant. I like. And he was quite good in Die Hard 4, and I thought he was like mm-hmm. fucking brilliant in like Scream 2. He was trying to think what other fucking shit he's in. He's in loads of shit. Uh, what, do you remember the, the strange moments? Oh, it was obviously like Tarantino homaging something, it would have seen, but the conversation between Rick Dalton and Timothy's character, where he asks him about the Great Escape speech, and the camera clicks three different times. And his hat keeps changing position. No, no, it's, it's really obvious. Where he's like, he's talking to him, and there's an audible, and all of a sudden, fucking Timothy's hat's changed position on his head. So it was like continuity, deliberate continuity errors. Ah, right. Talking about Lancer again. Yeah. The whole bit where like Rick forgets his lines, Aye. stuff like that. Leo improvised that. He felt that. He needed that to like can build fucking like the what's it like the like the fact that like Rick doubts his cell and, and he yeah, always fucks things up and that. he felt yeah. it. So he deliberately actually like said line. Right. And like Tarantino just kinda of let him go with it and uh, Aye. and he felt that he felt that it worked well. He felt that kinda totally. added character to Rick. And he fucking improvised the whole meltdown in the Ah, I heard that but in the yeah, trailer. In the trailer. Yeah. But I mean, he, he improvised in fucking. Django. I really slammed his hand and ended up cutting his cell. Yeah. And, and, and he, he, he carried on with it yeah. and worked it into the film. Yeah. So, ah, if he was going lying and then it's probably just to kind of increase, like make yeah. it more obvious how vulnerable and how unsure he is of his character yeah. to then have his meltdown and then when he does it the next scene successfully just yeah. to kind of reap the rewards ah, that so much it's more. like to redeem yourself yeah um, so like Tarantino said that in a interview when I was watching that documentary today it was like it's him Margot Robbie Brad Pitt Leo DiCaprio and all that and they were all sitting on like a stage and they were talking that the scene where, where um, Rick fucking has a meltdown in the trailer felt that it was very reminiscent of fucking Travis Bickle like when he's in his apartment and taxi driver and Aye. That, where he's like talking to himself and all yeah. and stuff like that mm-hmm. and he felt that it would, would have been good for the film uh, going back to the whole fucking Tarantino verse yeah when Kurt Russell's doing the narration where uh, Rick goes to Italy and works Oh yeah. Yeah. Mention of the directors and one of the directors is named Antonio Margariti. Ma- yes. Who ends up being Eli Roth's alias and then glorious to get into the fucking cinema. Yes, I do. Margariti. Yeah. Aye. Mm-hmm. Aye. So like, obviously it's fucking, you know. Yeah. Oh, that was it when they had that line back on the set of Lancer and it's Rick 
and Mary Bell, yeah. Mary Bella, and she corrects him on the pronunciation of his character's name. Where oh, um, Decato, and he answers like Dakota. Aye. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what if it was? Um, Pam was like, man, did they miss a trick if they'd used the same name as the characters from Hateful Eight, where everyone cried her uh, Daisy Domergu, but it's actually Domingue. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Aye. Uh, like, but uh, it would probably be too on the nose if he uh, said, like, yeah. like fucking uh, Domergu. Uh, to keep within the budget, Leo took a 25% wage cut. Uh, from his, he was getting a twenty million dollar salary, right, for the film. So he took a five million, go fifteen mil for the film, basically. Yeah, I feel like that's it. People probably don't work with because he wanted to work with Tarantino again. Exactly, like they're not in it for the payday. Like they would uh, probably work like the going rate just to be on this set. Fucking when... Jonah Hill worked for fuck all on Wolf of Wall Street. Aye, and that well, like like fucking people... wait like waived his like wage because Aye. he wanted to work with him for that much. Like, that's it. Like to be a chance of working with Scorsese, I'm not gonna haggle with you about what I'm getting paid. Like just to be on the fucking set with Scorsese, and yeah, it makes complete um, sense. And then the whole can thing about like the production design and stuff. A section of the Hollywood freeway was shut down. Right between the hours of 2, 12pm and 2pm one day, so that they could film a scene that was just filled with nothing but cars for that era. Right. Mm. And that, uh, I think that cost quite a bit of money. I imagine. Because they would have had to go to like, the city council and stuff like that. Eh? Yeah. Because yeah. like, you see also what the freeways are like. Eh? Yeah, and then just all the amount They've of footage got, you saw uh, Cliff driving around up and yeah. down Hollywood Boulevard, because... There's some angles where you could see all the billboards or all the shop fronts. Yeah, and it's the fact that they got fucking like can like cars brought in for that era. Yeah, exactly. To make it look the part. Right? Cause that's like, cause that's like when during the thing I watched today, and they were saying when you see the scenes of like, like the camera scrolling down like Hollywood Boulevard and that, and it's like you see the shops and stuff like that, and it's Aye. like it's no just the shops that you can see. It's the things that are in the shop that are of that era that Aye. will, will make it authentic and will make it stand out. Exactly, that that's what you need, like the quality of the film. You can't have that shot at Hollywood Boulevard and all of a sudden you see a silver Corsa parked <laughs> outside a fucking shop. Yeah. But it's fucking, like, his details mentally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what kind of sets it apart for the rest. I've, we've, we've talked about it all, mate. Pretty much, aye. So, there's nothing else to say. I mean, obviously, we still have our social media. Yeah. You can always do at Films and Swearing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Wait, no. FAS Podcast, sorry. To do all these, to find us on social media, Letterboxd and the such. And also be at Mikey Van B to kind of get your Twitter, yeah. Instagram, uh, and Letterboxd. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, bugger off and look out for films and swearing. Because we'll be back. There's going to be more. Ah, there will be. We've got, will be. we've got shit planned. Don't know when, but we've got plans. <laughs>